Welcome to Aftersight, your home for stories for people just like you. Your vision loss journey isn't something to be ashamed of. Take a listen. And that's the main thing I remember learning when I was taught the slack line when I still had vision is don't look at the line below you, but look at your anchor point that's solid ahead of you. If you want me to cook your dinner, you have to put somewhere to go. <laughs> and I suppose part of this was also my own trying to figure out who I was and how to be in the world in this very new way. Prop, I would say a potted plant because I get sad when the flowers would like wilt, mm. you know, oh. eventually. I'm going to say fresh cut flowers because then I don't have to worry about killing a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at taking care of These people all have the same thing in common. You. Their stories are for your encouragement, your determination, and your inspiration. This is Aftersight. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Aftersight. Happy New Year. I can't believe it's already 2023. I'm your host of Aftersight, Ken Street, and today I have the most exciting special guest ever, um, his name is Lex Gillette, and most of you probably that name is very, very familiar. Lex is an author, an artist, and of course, an incredible athlete and a speaker. Um, and I am so excited to have this incredible human being here with us today. When we come back, Lex is going to share his passion and his journey that has brought him to us today. Um, he, you know, I know a lot of you already know this, but Lex has a gold and silver. He's a gold and silver medalist in the Paralympics, which he's going to share with us. He also holds the world record in the long jump. He is also, um, like I said, he's uh, he's even written a book, um, which he'll share with us, um, as well as a songwriter and artist. So when we come back... Um, He's going to share his journey and then also um, tell us about his uh, future as he heads off to Paris in 2024. So absolutely don't go away and we will be right back. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Lex, welcome to Aftersight. Uh, thank you so much, Penn. How are you? I am great. I am cold. I know where you are is cold too. It's like um it says on my phone it's it feels like negative nineteen here in Colorado. So it's yeah, see, I can't yeah, that's extremely cold. <laughs> that is that's bitter. That's bitter. I I have to share with everyone that Lex is actually um a surprise for me. Uh, many of you know, have heard uh, Jonathan, our podcast producer, and Jonathan told me he had this, and he's never done this before to me. He said, Penn, I have a surprise. I have a surprise for you. And it was, I was really nervous because I, I've never done an interview like that. But then when I found out yesterday that it was Lex, I was just, I was just over the moon and I could not be more honored and, and just, thrilled to be interviewing you today, Lex. 
Uh, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely uh, glad to be able to participate in the conversation <laughs> and just have a you know have a good time for a little bit. So awesome! Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Lex, I know you've listened to some of my episodes with Aftersight, and I like to start off the show just with some few just rapid fire questions. So yes. yeah, so don't be scared. <laughs> okay. 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 I, mean, I feel like I'm in competition mode. I gotta. <laughs> I got to get ready. You got to be on my feet. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, would, you, would you prefer skydiving or bungee jumping? Skydiving. Oh, me too. If I'm going to, if I'm going to jump like that, I want to be free. I don't want to yeah. tether to a bridge or something. Right. <laughs> Do you prefer cooking or cleaning up afterwards? Cooking. Mm, me too. Me too. What's your favorite thing to cook? I love to cook breakfast food. Ooh. So yeah, I'm, I'm a real huge breakfast person. Definitely got to start off that day with a really good balanced meal. And after cooking that meal, I would much rather someone clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have um, seven older brothers and two sisters. I'm the ninth of 10 kids. Oh, wow. And my parents would do that. You were, you know, they had to have a schedule for all of us. And um, so sometimes you cooked. And if you cooked, you didn't have to clean up. And if you cleaned up, you didn't have to cook. And I hated the hated the cleanup. So yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Now, are you an early bird person or a night owl? Oh, most times a night owl. Oh, yeah. I'm a night owl person. I will say over the years, and probably the listeners can, can understand, but once, you know, just not being able to, uh, to see sometimes my sleeping pattern gets knocked off from time to time. So, yeah. um, you know, most times I'm a night owl. I can stay up, but, you know, if we're traveling or if the time changes, um, or I just, you know, maybe stay up. Um, or I'm sorry, maybe I get up a little early a few times in a row for like speeches or for whatever yeah. reason, it might change my sleeping pattern, which will then cause me to say be a, an early bird for a little bit, but yeah. not all at heart. Yeah. Well, and you're a new dad, so I'm sure that that has changed your schedule yeah. a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Lex, would you, if you had this superpower, which one would it be to pause time or rewind time? Oh, I would say rewind time. Mm. Yeah, I would rewind time because there's, there's a, a few things I believe that I want to rewind time and experience those moments again. Mm, mm. What were can you can you dive into that a little bit more? When would that be? I would say one that comes to mind is I mean, it could be any of them, but yeah. that moment where you are packing your bag, you put in all of your clothes and shoes and take a shower and stuff and, and you go downstairs. And you head to the bus that goes to the Paralympic Stadium. Oh. Just that whole moment in time, that's that's a lot of fun. Being up there and feeling the butterflies in your stomach, riding mm. on that bus, arriving to the warm-up stadium, getting out there, moving around, getting the blood moving, and just the anticipation of what is to come mm. in terms of competition and, and them calling your event, you going inside of the, the call room and they're checking your uniform and checking your bag to make sure that 
everything that you have in terms of competition equipment, making sure that it meets requirements, like all of that. And then not to leave this out, but to make that walk from the call room to the actual stadium. Uh And, and, you know, most times as we approach the stadium, there's like a, an incline. So you feel this incline and you're walking up a little bit. It's, It's not, you know, it's not too, too, uh, aggressive of an incline. It's, you know, kind of subtle if you will but it's and noticeable you, yeah <laughs> yeah and once you reach the top of that incline you take a couple more steps forward and the entire place opens up and that's when oh. you realize that you've just stepped on the the floor of the olympic and paralympic stadium and wow so many people inside and they're cheering and yelling and oh. you hear the PA announcer on the intercom and they call your name all of those things like uh, yeah wow yeah that'd wow. be cool to yeah. Just just rewind to that. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. And I think it is. It's that anticipation of all the hard work that you put into getting to that moment. And it's, it, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of fun. I mean, if I can ask, what, what does that feel like when you, so you're on that calm around the corner and boom, you hear all of the, the, the activity from the, from the water that is, that is to, you know, you know, get you down the the river. Yeah. What is that like? What does that feel like in the moment? Is it It, like bumpy? Is it rough? Is it? Oh, it's, you're getting, there's no anticipation of which way you're going to get thrown because with water, it constantly changes. So even if you go back and do it again, it's going to be different. To me, it's a weird thing, but I, it always sounded like this monster (laughs) (laughs) And it it was just getting louder and louder and louder and just calming myself and getting really relaxed because if you're stiff and also the water is freezing, you know, it's over a hundred degree temperature in the canyon, but the the water is freezing. And so it's that and you have to be ready for it. But but you can't like anticipate it because if you do, you'll just tense up and not really enjoy what's going on or be able to focus. So it's yeah. that hearing that monster coming at you. And it always almost felt like the opposite. Like I wasn't going to the monster. The monster was coming to me. Like I yeah. was still and the monster was coming to me. But I, it was just that calming myself and, you know, you got this, Pen. You got this. Oh, wow! Yeah, and then you're inside of a raft. Yes, hopefully okay. you stay in the raft. I did stay in the raft, but yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that also really loved that anticipation. Usually, people, it's you know when you're standing up on the podium, right, or you've crossed that finish line. Yeah. Um, you're the first person that I've I've gotten to talk to that actually really f- that anticipation right before it all explodes. Um, yeah. Is 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 where you would go back to. That's yeah. That's an incredible. Well, Lex, if you had a theme song, what would it be? Theme song. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> that's a hard one. I would say. Uh, you know what? This has been. It's been stuck in my head for the past couple of weeks because it's largely because there's a commercial that that plays it. Oh, but um, 
uh, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, it's like, I don't know, for some reason, just the, and I say it more so because of like the energy from the mm. song, like, like it's coming on and, and, yeah. and, and you just start to feel good. It's like, oh man, I love this song. This yeah. boom, do you remember? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like it's a really good song, up tempo. Um, and, and yeah, that, that would be the theme song right now. So. Lex, I know that you, you know, you started losing your vision when you were around eight years old and you've talked about how your mom was your, your rock. Like she was the one that was really supportive and, um, you know, that's where you, you found your footing. Can you share a little bit about how's your, how your mom's response to your vision loss actually helped support you and helped you even become the athlete that you are today? Yeah, I think that when you have that example of someone who is living a similar experience. So my mom has glaucoma, although she, she has usable sight. Having that person in the home, seeing her get up each day and not driving a car, but she always made her way to work. She always made sure that I was able to get to and from school, mm. made sure that I got to a lot of different extracurricular activities, whether that be Boy Scouts or summer camps or, so I really had a well-balanced life in terms of opportunities. And, and I think more than anything, when it came to transitioning from once being able to see and now not being able to see, she encouraged me to get back out there. And, you know, at this point in time, I'm, I'm eight years old, nine years old. Yeah. And really encouraging me to do a lot of the same things that I used to do prior to losing my sight. Mm-hmm. And specifically, you know, going out, going outside and playing around in the neighborhood again, learning that neighborhood in a way that would give me the confidence so that I could eventually be able to run around like I once used to. So I had yeah. to, you know, understand where I was in terms of space and the sounds around me and using the textures under my feet and how those things would change or, Based off of where, let's say, the street lights were or the neighborhood lights, I could use those things as landmarks, and that would give me information as to, oh, okay, well, I can run this way, and there's three stairs in front of me, and I can run up these stairs. Things that in the beginning I was, I would move around very slowly because, right. you know, you're you're just not as confident and you know unable to to use eyesight to help you get around. But as with all things, you keep working at it. Yep. get accustomed to the area. And um, I just had like started to build these images in my mind to the point where it felt like I could literally see what was going on and see what was happening in front of me. So um, wow. that is what helped to like really ground myself. And there were times where I would fall down or yep. flip and <laughs> you know, things like that. But my mom, you know, she encouraged me to to keep going and to, to continue to do those things because I think I had, you know, also learned from her at an early age that now having a a visual disability, the world would probably look at me different because of their expectations and opinions of what right. it is that people who have a who have disability what they can and cannot do or what they think that they should or should not be doing. So she just right. always really challenged me to you know, at the end of the day, you kind of, you define these things, you dictate what you can do. Well, that's such a great 
role model. Um, my mom, my mom also had vision loss and, um, you know, she didn't drive or anything like that. And I don't even know if she said this, but it's like sort of what she conveyed to me is that you need to be stronger, work harder. (laughs) You have to be better than your friends because of your vision loss, because people will take advantage of you and and not and not treat you. They're going to treat other people. So you need to you you need to work harder. And I don't ever remember really having a conversation with her about it. Yeah. And and I know that, I mean, she was this impeccable cook and housekeeper and did a lot in the community. Um, and, you know, I, I really think only her closest friends really knew she had vision loss. But I think yeah. that that really did help me. Like, I didn't feel so alone in the, yeah. in the loss because... I knew that she knew <laughs> yeah. what I was going through, right? And I, I think that, that that was so important. So, Lex, you tell you told Jonathan a story about when you you were still pretty young, where you would jump off your front porch, and yeah. that that really built up your confidence. Um, can you can you share a little bit about that? It's just such an incredible story. Yeah, we had this, in front of our home, we had this ledge. And so, painting the picture, basically, directly in front of the, the front door, you walk up these five stairs, and that would lead to the front door. Now, when you turn around and run down those five stairs, if you continue to go forward, say, three steps max, you'll approach or be at the edge of this ledge. And it's probably about three feet in height. Oh, wow. Below is a huge patch of grass. Oh, okay. And so prior to me losing my sight, I would I would run and jump off of this ledge and <laughs> extend my left and right arms out to the side. And I'm, you know, I'm a little kid. So, oh, yeah. I'm a fly. I'm yeah. a fly. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and uh, land in the grass and things like that. So after I had lost my sight, being able to get to that point of doing that again, and having the spatial awareness, well, understanding where I was in space and knowing mm-hmm. that tapping into like this, this power of spatial awareness, if I use those things, that, that would help me to be able to you know, jump off of this ledge again. So oh. knowing that when I'm in front of those, when I walk down those five stairs from our front door and having the confidence that when I take this third step, I'm not having to kind of shuffle with my feet to fill this ledge i'm just taking that third step and i'm propelling myself through the air because i have the confidence of knowing that i'm at this ledge and as i decline toward the earth this grass is going to welcome me once i got that down i like i felt unstoppable (laughs) Uh, of course i was living life without eyesight in a lot of ways it was it was it was a huge victory for me yeah, well, I don't think that sighted people actually grasp how when you're blind, you're usually tethered to something like a guide dog, yeah. a, a cane, or even echolocation. Like you have to pay attention to where you are. Yeah, um, yeah. And, it, and if you don't, you're probably going to run into something, hit something, or something's going to hit you. And I felt I felt that way about downhill skiing, and and I and I still do. It's that complete feeling of. 
freedom and movement, it's just, I feel untethered. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you told that story to Jonathan, I that's what I pictured. I was like, he's free. He found yeah. that he doesn't have to be tethered all the time. Yes. And yes. that, yeah. And also the trust of where you're going to land, when you're going to land and how you land. And that's the way I feel about downhill skiing. It, and maybe it's muscle memory. I don't, I don't know, but it's that I can go as fast as I want and take the turns that I want. And I, and I know I'm going to, eventually have to stop and I'm going to land. But but until then, I, I'm free. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I can definitely understand that. And I think like the expectation is from the outside looking in, like a societal perspective at times, they think that we should be tethered to other people, that we always need other people. And so within, in and around the Paralympics, I've been a part of different boards and and worked on different projects for the games world championships whatever and yeah. so try, like breaking that perception is very huge yeah um and just letting people know that hey we don't always have to be using sighted guide to navigate we don't always have to have our our guide dogs or whatever our navigational right. tools are if we can you know depending on the you know the scenario but using the example of, say, um, you know, you have a bunch of people who have some sort of visual impairment and they're embarking on a new environment. Yeah. What if we adapt that environment in a way where they can totally disconnect from those navigational tools yeah. and use the things that have already been embedded or implemented within this space so that they can, you know, get around freely and not have to. Exactly. Have to, you know, worry about being with another person like Absolutely. It's so true. Well, and I, I, I've i heard a lot of other blind people say that, like when they walk through their front door of their home, whatever that is, apartment, studio, house, yep. whatever, that it's almost like this like sigh of relief because yes. you're, <laughs> you're in your own space and you know, unless you have a husband like mine that likes to move the furniture occasionally and not tell me, <laughs> but, but for the most part, I, I don't need my cane. I don't, I, I don't. I do not need my cane. I do not need my guide dog in my home. Um, and it's it's kind of like that, what you're talking about. Well, well, if you can do that in your own home, why can't society do that everywhere? Yeah. Lex, you have an incredible motto that you use. And it's it's it, to me, it's very profound. Can you share with the audience what what that is and how you even came up with it yeah the mantra is no need for sight when you have a vision yeah i was and it had to been like 22 23 years old i just i was about to graduate or had just graduated from college i had also at that point i went to my first games so mm -hmm. i was three months three years rather removed from competing in my first games and I was starting wow. to gain my footing within that athletic space. Part of that was wanting to get sponsors and things, you know, get, get a company that supports you and have right. shoes and apparel and sports drinks and all that other type of stuff. Yeah. And so, um, branding was like really important to me. So in, in an attempt to like have something 
specific to my brand. I was like, man, I need like a tagline, like a motto, a mantra. Yeah. And so eventually or initially it was just, okay, I need this for like branding purposes, marketing purposes. But after a while, it became much more than that. And yeah. all of my aspirations around just, you know, the pure athletic brand kind of just became that much smaller because I realized that, you know what, at the end of the day, it's not our site that determines success. It is our ability to see that vision. And yeah. as a side note, you know, this is, I know we're talking in the context of like our, our audience is, is largely you know, probably individuals who have yeah. a visual disability, but I always felt like this was specific to anyone, whether you yeah. can see or not. You know, it's ultimately it's not our eyes that determine success. It's our ability to see that vision and not only to just see it, because if you just see something, it doesn't guarantee you success. You exactly. see it, you develop the plan, you connect with the right people, then you do everything in your power to bring it into fruition. Yeah. And so once I had lost, like when I had lost my sight, I felt disconnected from the rest of the world because I couldn't see anything anymore. Right. And growing up at that time, the impression was I need eyesight in order to do this or to, yeah. to drive a car, to read books, to do all of these things. But what I quickly realized is that everything in our lives that we have and that we're enjoying is always start from a vision. Yeah. You see it within your mind. You see it within other people. Yeah. And from there, you take it from, from start to finish. And if that was the case, I told myself, well, it doesn't matter if I can see or not. I just need this idea. And a vision is meant to change perceptions, mindsets, society, the world, something of that magnitude. You absolutely need other people and you need people who possess a diverse uh, type of skill set, abilities, talents. And so... And once you're able to to get to that point and, and connect with the right people, yeah, it's like, all right, we're able to achieve so much more than what we would have been able to achieve on our own. And the uh, <laughs> the no pun intended moment here is like, yeah. as we connect with other people and we're we're working on this vision, it it expands figuratively speaking their visual acuity and allows them to see more and it's like we're like collaboratively working together to achieve whatever this vision is but we're also giving each other like permission and the ability to like truly see that much more like oh, yeah wild. absolutely i i totally agree with that uh, you know i never quite looked at it the way you know your mantra is but when when I heard it and I saw, you know, when I was doing some research on you yesterday, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so true. Like, my husband is a professional photographer, so he's extremely visual. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, he, but he'll tell anybody. He's like, no, Penn sees better than I do. And part of that is because of that collaboration. Like, I, I love thinking of something that I want to do, whether it's a goal or a vacation, whatever it is, whether it's work or personal. And and yeah. I love connecting 
the dots and and that that's that vision you know that yeah. that you're talking about and and also we use parts of our brains that sighted people don't use and i really think mm. it's like what makes us magic is yeah. because we don't just rely like most sighted people they rely on their vision so much. And that's why I think even as a kid, I did it. You've talked about it. You know, lots of people talk about it. Like they feel that loss. They're alone. Their world gets small. And it's because our focus was on visual cues yeah. and versus all we have all these other senses and, and all these other yes. skills. Because yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like when I tell my friends, people are like, oh, my gosh. What is your, like, you probably can hear ridiculously yeah. good, huh? Or you have, like, these superpowers. What would be your sixth sense? Yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, definitely entertain it. Um, But I think that I will. I always tell them that, I'm like, listen, I just, is my hearing, does it probably appear to be better than yours? Yes. I don't think that it is something that the average person can't acquire. I just believe that, to your point, you're so focused on what it is that you're seeing. It's like that sense drowns out your ability to really tap into the other ones because of how much you rely on your on your sight. Yeah. Now, I heard that because, yeah, I mean, I have to use my ears more. But if you were to pay pay attention, I think that you probably would be able to hear that as well. Depending, of course, depending on what it is. Yeah. But um yeah, I just think that sometimes the site just totally drowns out their ability to really explore those other aspects that they that they possess. Yeah, I agree. People do oh, you must have supersonic hearing and I'm like, No, it's just because I pay attention. I um I have a very dear friend. His name is Sam Morris. You should look him up. He does it's called Zen Warrior Training. He was in a car accident that put him in a wheelchair and his whole life changed, you know, changed in a second. But he talks about being in the now and that um, and we've had conversations about blind people are so much better about being in the now. And, and it's because we have to. Right. Like we can't day daydream while we're out. <laughs> trying to cross a street or, yeah. you know, or any task. If I'm on the computer, like I have to pay attention. I have to, yeah. I have to be able to use my other senses and understand what's going on now. But it, it's, it, it's amazing to me that that's actually something that you have to learn. And, and I think blind people, yeah, we do have to learn it, but it, but it's sort of forced upon us, right? <laughs> like it's yeah, forced upon yeah. us. And I never, I never really thought about that. Um, mm. It kind of makes me like, I mean, and it's so, it's so true, but I, I think that the reason that's helpful is because as I work with like some of my friends or, you know, other people, <laughs> it'll help me to be a little more empathetic because sometimes I'm like, what are you thinking about? Like, what are you doing right now? Like, it yeah. just seems like, it seems like it happens so easily and so quickly for us yeah. that like, sometimes I feel other people should boom, boom, boom. Like it should be that snappy as well. But you know, in reality, it's just, it's just not, but again, it's specific to our, our situation, our background and experiences what and what we've gone through. Yeah, but yeah, I I think that there are a lot of skills, and I, and I I talk about this about why why you should hire somebody who's blind over somebody who's sighted because we have those 
skills because we have to. Um, you know, it sort of becomes part of our DNA. So I'm curious, Lex, like with your like with your mantra and is what was it like that moment that I don't know if you got a call or somebody came knocking on your door when you when you when you when they you know you found out that you had made the Paralympic team. So I was I was I was in college at the time, and um, my coach who helped me in high school. I graduated from high school, went to East Carolina University. He couldn't travel with me to ECU. And in fact, he ended up moving to Georgia to be mm. closer to his family. So now I was in a new space. I had to figure out how was I going to be able to train? How was I going to be able to get the things I needed from an athletic standpoint? Yeah. How was I going to be able to maintain and keep it going? And so I found someone in the exercise and sports science program department she helped me write my workouts and oh, wow. weight room workouts and things like that. So shout out to Stacy because she's amazing. Yay, and, Stacey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, she got me to the point where once competition season rolled around, my teacher slash first coach, Mr. Whitmer, he would drive up from Georgia mm. and he would help me participate in the track meet so I could qualify for the team. Yeah. And um so I competed a couple times and, and eventually at that at that moment we didn't we didn't have a qualifier per se. So there wasn't one competition that you would go to improve yourself. Oh okay. there was a the competition season and based off of your results, you had to submit your results to a specific committee mm-hmm. and based off of the strength of your results they decided the, the team. And so I remember getting my my email and and kind of reading that and being like, man, this <laughs> is crazy, yo. I'm about to go to the Paralympics. And uh and and I think it really set in when we got our information around going to the pregames training camp. Mm. And at that time I think I had maybe taken two flights in my life. Wow. And so this was my third flight, and I was traveling from North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, to San Diego, California, wow. where they were hosting the the pre-games training camp at the Olympic Training Center, which is 20 minutes, about 20 minutes south, give or take, from wow. downtown San Diego. So, you know, I'm like 18, 19 years old on this flight, about to go on my first like significant like like the first step (laughs) to going across this ocean to to compete in greece so it was pretty wild wow was you is your mom um what is it what's your mom was your mom still around like was she yeah yeah my mom yeah she's still around she's still she's back in raleigh still so so uh, what what was her reaction oh man you already know she was she was excited (laughs) She was excited as a as a mom as a as a parent. You know, your child is going to do something pretty cool, pretty pretty yeah. big, and you know it was it was definitely special because thinking about it now, we were inside of the stadium in Athens. You know, they're inside of the stadium. My mom, my grandmother, Mister mm. Whitmer, and his wife, and so yeah. to compete there, to get on the podium, to 
to have them see all of those moments, it was almost like, uh. figuratively speaking, like they were being awarded a medal as well. Because yeah. mind you, you know, from the start, it's been my mom and Mr. Whitmer. Yeah, We started working together when I was freshman in high school. So like 13, 14 years old. And now I'm 18, 19. And he he put in the work to help me get to that point. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about Paralympics prior to meeting him. And mm. I didn't really know much about adaptive sports and rec prior to to meeting him so uh, yeah i mean it was in those five six years excuse me things changed drastically and it was because of those four people who uh, were in that stadium so yeah that wow. was that was pretty amazing and did you did you know early on that the long jump was going to be like your magic spot because of leaping off of the the front steps um or or did you try other things and it, it kind of came down to you know what the long jump is where is where the magic is yeah that's a good question we had a this physical fitness test in high school you have to do a number of activities so that, it ranged from pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups. Yeah. One of the activities was standing long jump. So that's how we determined. Oh. That's how we figured out that I was really good at, at jumping. It was me standing in one spot, boom. Yeah. Landing. And my my first my first jump, they measured it and it was it was ten feet. And so Oh my goodness. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty that was pretty abnormal. Yeah. And, and just in sports in general, there's different tests that that say a coach or whomever might they might facilitate and depending on what results that you're looking for, what you're trying to determine in terms of information, yeah. they'll make you do the standing long jump. Mm. So we still do that to this day. My coach mm. is just wanting to create a baseline to learn, right. okay, this is where they are. This is how much power they have and this is how strong they are. Da, 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 da. So, um, so at that age, you know, 14, being able to jump 10 feet, it's like, wow. oh, sure. Yeah. Like we might have something here. And, and Mr. Whitmer, he then told me about the Paralympics and all of the events that were involved, oh. you know, track and field. So it was a kind of natural starting starting place. Have you ever jumped on your on your skis before? I not on purpose. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I when I was when I was you know like in college and and even into my early I'm a lot older than you think I am um, and. I love the moguls, um, and part of it was because if you hit the bumps wrong, it, you would go flying, and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but now my knees are so shot that and ankles just from all the other, you know, all the other sports I've done, it's yeah. it, it hurts now when I, when I land wrong, and I'm like, ah, it's not worth it anymore. Oh, so, I got you. so yeah, but have you skied? I have a, a handful of times. Yeah. And I do, I do love it. It's such a different, it's such a difference feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on the track running like 34, 35 meters and not yeah. trying to prepare myself through the air. So like that, that exhilaration that I get when I leave the ground and yes. through the air, that's like similar to, you know, getting off of that lift and, and yep. you know, making, making your way to the top of that slope. Yep. Black diamond, whatever it is. Yep. And as yeah. soon as you start off, and I yeah. hear my guy like, okay, left, right. Da, da, da. Yeah. Like, I don't do it as much because of the just trying to make sure that I don't 
and for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Once I'm done, once I'm done competing, we're gonna have to set up a uh, we're gonna have to set up a ski meet. Absolutely. Because you're in the area with way better snow. In yes. comparison to like North Carolina, where we would have to go to like Beach Mountain, and they yeah. more times than not when I would go, they yeah. were you know they were producing the snow. I want yeah. to go to a yeah. place where it's you know natural because I heard that's totally different feel. Oh yeah, we'll have to take you to Vail and have you ski with Foresight Ski Guides. They're amazing, yes. amazing. That that will be incredible. Well, Lex, what are what are some of the accessible tools? Because people like our listeners, they. They um they're always at they're always fascinated with like people who have been and are very successful like you. What's like the number one tool that you use like every day um, for accessibility? Mm. Uh, it's got to be my computer and the the speech tools. I use both Mac and Windows. I use oh. Mac for uh, just kind of my everyday computer, and I also use it for my for my speaker business. So on the Mac, of course you have voiceover. Right. And then I work in the accessibility office for Intel. Oh, and on nice. that side, I use, I use a PC. So I use JAWS okay. on, the, on the PC. I want to try out NVDA because I heard a lot of people are starting to use that. And somebody said a lot of like younger, like the younger generation yes. seems to be using NVDA yeah. a lot. So I want to like try that out and see what's going on. But I also have my, my smartphone, which has the screen reader up there. Specifically, I use Apple. Yeah. I have an iPhone. And, I do too. I like you know, voiceover. Yep. Yeah. I also use a, I have a, a Braille display that I use as well because I, I grew up mainly a, a Braille reader. Nice. And um, so I love when I can read things in Braille. It just seems like I'm able to grasp the information yeah. a lot more versus just listening to it. But um, those are like the main things that I would say. That's um, that's awesome. Yeah. And I love how you're versatile. I do not use JAWS. I use um, a, a couple of other different. Pro- I use Zoom text. Um, speech and then i use zoom text reader zoom text um even magnification um on good days but but i think it is good that people have different tools in their toolbox versus just yeah a lot of times people are like no you have to use this this is it and so yeah so i think it's it's good for people to hear that there are a lot of options out there i i feel like constantly i'm like wait i'm doing it the exact same way i did this yesterday and it worked but today it's not so right Yes. <laughs> well, Lex, could you do you have any maybe advice for people? Maybe there's some coaches out there or even parents or teachers of how we can motivate young blind kids to get into sports more. Yeah. Oh, man. I just think that at the end of the day, as a when you look at it from a from a parent standpoint, you might have that child who has who has blindness. I think a lot of it is just really kind of loosening that leash. Mm. I think that my mom wasn't, you know, she wasn't one who, you know, she didn't shelter me. She encouraged me to get out there and to move around, to play around. And I think that from the parent standpoint, you you don't want to get your child hurt or you don't want to see them in any sort of pain or things like that. But, and, you know, it's, it's I, I, would, I would imagine that it's hard. Yeah. But in order to really make some huge gains and allow your your child or whomever that you're working with to make some some huge gains, you, know, you gotta you gotta mess up a little bit. You gotta yeah. you gotta feel what that 
you know, figurative pain is, is, is like because, you know, it kind of serves as those things serve as landmarks. Yeah. I was talking about this in a speech recently where, you know, when I'm walking down the sidewalk and, and from the outside looking in, say it looks like I'm about to walk into a, a light pole. Right. That person walks up, oh, sir, you're about to hit this wall. You're going to hit this wall. <laughs> and I have to, you know, so I was telling them that obstacles are not always obstacles. Obstacles should be viewed as landmarks. Yes. I walk and I, and I'm intentionally walking to tap this cane and you can, can attest to this. You understand that? Yes. You know, that, yes. That light pole is a landmark. I, yes. I need to touch this <laughs> so that when I take, so I know that I can take a couple more strides beyond this light pole and I can turn right and continue yeah. down my path. Yeah. It's just a moment in time on that, on that journey. But, you know, people so often step in and they're, you know, protecting us and sheltering us and not allowing us to, to touch these mm. landmarks. I and it love disorients that. Us. I love they're, they're that. Like, just like, like we're just lost. So it's like, yeah. hey, you know, allow us to experience this, these things. Yeah. Because it's really helping us to continue down our path. So, you know, yeah, it's okay to mess up. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, you know, I was telling Jonathan also that as an athlete, more times than not, they're, you're going to see the, the end goal and they're going to put focus around you standing at the top of the podium, mm-hmm. having that gold medal put on your neck and mm-hmm. the national anthem playing and everybody standing inside of the stadium. But yeah. they don't put a lot of emphasis on those four years leading up to that point, yeah. showing you laying in your bed, not feeling like going down there to the track. <laughs> you just finished your workout. You're like hunched over because you just threw up your breakfast. Oh. Like, you're yeah. like not seeing all of those things and yeah. that's a part of the journey too like yeah as, as tough as it is those are the things that really help you propel forward so yeah um, you know don't be afraid to mess up you know, yeah. society is always going to show you the 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 brighter side of things and yeah. they want to you know, make make you think that oh this journey is perfect and da 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 da, da but it's not and yeah. it's okay that's what it, uh, that's what makes it even better yeah and i think that's a great a, a wonderful, beautiful takeaway from today. And, and like, it's just like when you were talking about, you know, jumping off the, the steps and finding the grass, like, it's that you had to figure out that space ratio. Well, if you didn't have the beginning of the steps, and the ending of the grass, you're just floating in space where that's why, like, I, I loved how, like, the obstacle, like, you need to know where those obstacles yeah. are, and you need to run into them, because if you don't, yeah. you don't know where you are, and, and that's, yeah. I, I love that analogy. I, I That's that's absolutely incredible. Well, what's next, you know, Lex, besides Paris, you know, in 2024? Um, Let's see. So, I have, I have a book that's coming out, and I actually just got the, the launch date. Oh, a little bit ago. So it comes out on March 7th oh, of wonderful. 2023. So I'm excited about that. And it's called No Need for Sight When You Have a Vision. Oh. And um, the subtitle is What Blindness Can Teach Us About Risk and Leadership. So I'm going to, you know, hopefully it's going to change a ton of lives, help people to see things in a different light. Also, hopefully it'll help me to I do a lot of speaking for for companies and yeah. organizations and sports teams and things like that. So 
hopefully that'll be able to lead to some additional opportunities to speak and change mindsets and perceptions. So mm. that's where I, a lot of my my uh, focus is. That's awesome. And will it? Do you know when it will come out in audio format? That's a very good question. That is going to be in the conversation that we have at the beginning of the, okay. you know, in, in these next few weeks. So um, I'm definitely excited about that because I didn't do it for the first one and we have it on our to-do list. Yeah. But I want to do the audible or audio version for both of them. Yes. And I want to, I want to read it as well because I think it's, it's a different experience when you listen to books and the, and the author is the one who narrates versus I having. Agree. So, I agree. You know. Oh, I love it. Well, definitely stay in touch with us so that we can promote it out on our end as yeah. well. So, um, so Lex, I've been asking you a million questions. I always give my guest an opportunity to ask me a question. Do you have a question for me? The question that I <laughs> would like to ask you. If I can ask two questions. So sure. the first question would sure. be kind of just more like the practical one, like as a as a podcast host or a show host, mm -hmm. what sorts of things do you use in terms of technology? Oh, that's a good one. Um Jonathan. <laughs> oh good. Um that that made a huge um change for me because up until Jonathan, I was really struggling with accessibility and the platform we were using. Um, and so when Jonathan, we, you know, I, and I did, I went to, you know, our executive director and said, we, you know, we really need a podcast producer. And she basically said, okay. And so, <laughs> and he really works with me on the different platforms that we use and that that is really helpful like even the pre-show interviews he sends those yeah. audio files to me so i can hear it i mean he could send me a word document but it's so much better for me to actually hear your voice yeah um so and and i want everybody to know out there i never ever thought that I would be doing this. I, it was never on, I love, I've loved podcasts and I listen to podcasts, but if somebody would have told me a couple of years ago that I would have a podcast, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Um, so it really, I was very fortunate that it, it really did fall into my lap and I have such an amazing team that supports me and, uh, you know, that, that has really, supported me in being successful at it so that's awesome yeah and then kind of just like uh the, the first question that i was going to ask is is kind of your personal goals and aspiration for the podcast and what mm. you want it to what you envision it doing for people who listen oh it, it already is lex um from day one I wanted it to be a place that people could tell their stories and and I wanted everybody to feel that they could tell their story here not not just you know the Lex Gillettes of the world or Eric Wanamayers yeah. of the world but 
you know, the lady, you know, your mom sits next to in church who's dealing with yeah. glaucoma, you know, that because and I, and I hear it, we get the feedback, you know, people from all over the world are touched by the stories. They're inspired by the stories. Um, it's they don't feel alone. And that was the biggest thing. You know, I just hear that over and over so much that blind people's worlds are small. And I'm like, no, but they don't have to be. (laughs) And so, and I think that this podcast shows that. And even the name of the podcast, After Sight, it's, there's life after sight, you know? And, um, and so, it, it really is doing exactly what I was hoping it would do. And, um, and we do, we just, you know, it's, it's just been such an amazing journey. And, and I have met so many extraordinary people and, and, and it's not just because, you know, they were gold medalists or won world records. It was because, they were, you know, that lost little boy who was eight years yeah. old leaping off of his front porch for the first time. That is extraordinary to me. Yeah. To have, or or to have a parent that that you know said, "No, go out and do it." You know, I'll be yeah. here. I'll clean up the scrape. I'll give you a hug, kiss you know, kiss your boo boo. I think you said, but it's like, yeah. but but to allow allow a child to do that or or an adult to do that if that matter so yeah yeah thank you for that um, nobody's ever yeah. asked me that I, I really appreciate that that's huge I mean that because at the end of the day so often people feel as though they don't have a story and I always tell people that they do yeah absolutely and, you know, I never want people to get caught up in that whole oh well, I haven't won a gold medal or I haven't set a record or yeah uh, it doesn't matter we yeah. all have, you know, we have a story and, and thinking back to, to vision, yeah. you know, it always starts as just, you know, something that is just, it's in your mind and is seemingly non-existent yeah. because it's not there. You can't touch it or anything like that, but you know, you're able to kind of transform that into what it is that you see. Yeah. And you don't have to see a gold medal. You can see yourself graduated from school or see yourself successfully learning how to use a cane or yeah. learning how to use this aspect of your iPhone or some piece of accessible technology. Like all of yep. those are wins and all of those are Absolutely. part of the story and all of those stories should be heard. Yeah, because, I mean, I have met people that the first time they were able to use their cane skills to get to the end of their driveway and get the mail and bring it back to their house without being total. Yeah. That's a gold medal moment in their life that they will never forget. And, you know, so, so yeah, well, Lex, it has been such an incredible joy um, to get to know you. And, and I hope we don't, I don't want to lose contact with you. Um, I'm definitely not. I'm so excited about, your book coming out and and um just everything that you're doing and definitely will be following your journey to Paris and congratulations on being a dad that's that's such oh, a beautiful I appreciate that beautiful beautiful well, thank life, you so Sarah. much 
Absolutely. I also always want to thank everybody who makes this podcast happen. You know, the entire team at Audio Information Network of Colorado. I get to do the fun part. You know, I get to talk with Lex. Um, and but you, you, you guys really put in put in the back the back you know work that makes it happen. So. Um, so everybody out there, happy new year. If you're setting goals, really, you know, I feel like this episode is one that you should listen to over and over again, um, because of, of just the amazing journey that Lex has shared with us. And I I know it's inspired me. I've already started thinking about, you know, my vision for 2023 and and I'm going to make some adjustments to that after, after this conversation with Lex. So And remember, everybody, be kind to yourself and find a way to be kind to somebody else. It's good for your soul. And I will see you all next week. And Happy New Year. And Lex, thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. All right. Take care.